Because meditation actually means muttering the word of God. Muttering, like repeating it. How many of us have seen goats when they eat? Do we know how goats behave? How do they behave after eating? They chew the cord, isn't it? They regurgitate what they have eaten and they chew it again and again until it is very smooth. Hallelujah. That process they are doing is what meditation is supposed to be. You regurgitate the word, you read it, you turn it over and over. You tell it to yourself, repeat it to yourself until you digest it, until it enters into your human spirit. That is the only time it becomes effective. Amen? If you just read it and rush over it and say that you have read your Bible, it cannot bring forth any fruit. The only word of God that brings power, brings the presence of God, is the one that has entered into you. The one you have meditated on. You have absorbed it. You have digested it. Amen? So I want you to say to yourself again, I am a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. So that I will show forth the praises of him who has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. You continue to say it to your spirit, read it to yourself, repeat it. Before you know it, you have memorized it. If we cannot memorize scriptures, how would the scripture enter into your mind, into your soul, and become a living word, become effective? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So this is who we are. We are reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. We saw that in verse 5, the word of God tell, told us that we are what? Lively stones built up to a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God by Jesus Christ. That means that every believer, every child of God, every true believer is a stone, is a lively stone, is a living stone. And all of us are making up a gigantic building, a gigantic spiritual house. Amen? And I used to illustrate it like this. I say, if you go to the book of 1 Kings, you see the building of the temple of God during the time of Solomon. And the Bible said, that when that temple was being built, stones were used. And as those stones, some of the stones were pillars, foundational stones. Some were pillars. 
Some were decorative stones. Amen? Some were just support stones. <laughs> and every stone that was used in the temple in Jerusalem was required to be passed through the quarry. You can read the story from First Kings. I don't know the exact place now. But if you read that place, that account, you will see that all the stones that were used in the building had to pass through the quarry. Amen? Do we know what a quarry is? Anybody here who doesn't understand the word quarry? What is a quarry? Can someone tell me? Let someone tell me what is a quarry. A quarry is a place where there's an engine that shapes stones. I think we have some of them around in Plateau State. Where the stones are broken and they are shaped and they are cut and they are fashioned to be used. They are cut into different, different sizes. Amen? And shapes. Now let me tell you one thing with the quarry, natural quarry. When you put the large stones into the quarry, he breaks the stones. He cuts them. He shapes them. Some of these stones cannot endure the treatment of the quarry. So when you put them in the quarry, they are crushed. Do you realize that? Some stones are crushed in that process. Some jump out. <laughs> Some jump out from the machine and they are not used, they are useless. They are not used for the building. Some are crushed, so they become sand and they, nobody even uses them. Some are shaped, cut into very nice shapes. So some of the stones are not strong enough to be used as foundational stones. If you put them in the foundation, they cannot carry the building. Amen? Some, the way they are cut, they are just for decoration. That is how we are as children of God. We are all lively stones building up a spiritual house. But some stones are foundational stones. Some are pillars. Some are decorational stones. You cannot use them for foundation. Put them in the pillar, they will collapse. Amen. So that is a food for thought for us. You'll be asking yourself, what kind of stone am I in this spiritual building? Hallelujah. In this spiritual house, the Bible says not only that we are lively stones, we are also a holy priesthood. We are priests of God. If you look at that verse 10, verse 9, sorry, it said, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Amen? We are kings and priests unto our God. A holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. Now, we have all become friends of God in this church. So, just building on that, 
having become a friend of God, we are now royal priesthoods. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. We are not ordinary people. We need to know who we are. We are not like any other person that is just walking around the streets. Amen. And there is a purpose for that. What is that purpose? In verse 5. We are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Amen. If you go to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus, you will see the priesthood, the priesthood of Aaron and his sons. What was their work? How were they decorated? How did they dress? Then you can take a cue from them. Amen? Please, can somebody put the fan for me or open the windows? I'm feeling very hot. We are expected to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in performing this work, this priestly work, what is it all about? It is the high priest, Aaron, went into the Holy of Holies. The sons of Aaron were the Levites, the priests. They stood in the outer courts and they helped him to perform the office of the priest. Today in the New Testament, Jesus is our high priest. Amen. He is the high priest of our profession, the apostle and the high priest of our profession. And we are the priests of God. We are kings and priests. We are expected to function together with him in the cause of the Lord. Did we hear what I said? Okay, let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Hebrews 4, 16. Okay, it's on the board. He said, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are expected by God to come to the throne of grace boldly. Come how? Boldly. Somebody say boldly. To do what? To obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. 
and verse 19. Hello. Hebrews 10:19 says, "Having therefore brethren boldness." We have what? Boldness. Remember where we've just read said, "Come boldly." We have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. 20. By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. How? How should we draw near? With a true heart. Somebody say with a true heart. In full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. <laughs> How do we come to the throne of grace? Somebody say with a true heart. Having our conscience sprinkled, our conscience sprinkled from an evil conscience. Somebody cannot have an evil conscience and come before the throne of God. I'm talking this evening about the protocols of the courts of heaven. You know, in this church, we've been talking about the courts of heaven for some time. We've been trying to get into it. We get into it. We come out. We get into it. We come out. We are not really getting it. And I have been learning more at the feet of the Lord. And asking the Holy Spirit to really teach me. In fact, this evening I just entered a course concerning the court of heaven online. Because I discovered that it is a complete course. How to go to the courts of heaven, how to get justice, and get everything you need from the courts of heaven. I discovered that it's a very complete course, and there are people that God, the Holy Spirit, has taught. And they are teaching on it. The Holy Spirit just made me to stumble on it online. And since then I've been following it. And it's been such a blessing. And I discovered that it is far easier and better and shorter. With results, answered prayers. The person that I just joined this course this evening is a man of God who was a pastor for 35 years. Pastoring, praying, doing intercession. You do intercession for hours. You pray about one thing for many years. And you are not getting results. It's as if you have fasted and prayed and is God not answering. It's not that God is not hearing. It's just that there's one little thing you need knowledge. You need to understand. And I have always told us that learning is a continuous process until we get to heaven. If you are teachable, God can always teach you. That's why Jesus said that before we can enter heaven, 
we have to be converted and become like little children. Amen. If you are not ready like that, and you have already no attitude, I too know, I already know everything, then you cannot progress with God. Because God takes you from one level to another level. And as you are learning and you are obedient to the level where he's bringing you, he's opening more doors. Amen. That's why you can learn more one scripture today. You will discover that as you continue reading that same scripture, you get other understanding and revelation about it. Hallelujah. So as I began to learn, one of the things I discovered is that this coming to this courts of heaven, we are already there. Amen? Because like we read, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says, God has already raised us up. Please put it on the board. Ephesians 2 6. Let's read it together. I want to read. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are we seated? In heavenly places. So every believer is supposed to be a priest. But the truth is that not all believers are ready to play that role. Many people don't even know about their priestly role. And they are not even ready. Just like the Lord said in John 15, you are my friends. I no longer call you my servants. I call you friends. Every child of God is supposed to be a friend of God. But you discover that it's not automatic. Because some people, even though they have given their life to Christ, they are not friends of God. Because of their conduct, the way they run their life. They don't even care about God. They are not even interested. They can do and undo. They can do anything and break ranks, break protocol at any time. And Jesus said, as we were taught during the retreat, that if you want to follow him, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily. Is that what he said? And follow him. So the Christian life cannot be lived with mago mago. There are laws, there are principles, there are protocols of the courts of heaven. A court of heaven is not where you go and do what you like. It is not allowed. And start, since I started learning and started practicing it, if I begin to pray about something now, I begin to say, Lord, I come into the court of heaven now. Please open the courtroom for me. I will hear the Holy Spirit say, no, not this one. There are some cases he will say, no, don't bring this person here. Especially when the person is not a child of God. Because we are not prayer contractors. There's something called prayer contracting. Somebody is not born again. He comes to you for prayer. The first and the foremost thing is to lead that person to Christ. Are we together? You cannot carry an unbeliever and come and say, Lord, I bring this person to the court of heaven. No, 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 no. You are breaking protocol. Because in the court of heaven is the very presence of the almighty God. And we have been studying about it. We have been reading about it in this church. 
in Daniel chapter 7. That is where Elohim is sitting. It's the throne of God. It's full of thunderings and lightnings and voices and innumerable company of angels. Just like Hebrews chapter 12 said, that is how it is. We saw it the other day in Daniel chapter 7, 9 and 10. You can just put it on the board to remind us. So you cannot come to the court of heaven with irreverence. Because there are a lot of things we do that is irreverence to God. We don't have respect for God. We don't honor him. We don't have the fear of God. You cannot come from your pollution and contamination. You cannot come to the court of heaven to lie. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because God is seated there. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He is the apostle and the high priest of our profession. The Holy Spirit is there. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are our defense attorneys. So when you are coming to the court of heaven, you are coming as a priest of God. Amen? And when you, are used, when you continue going there, you have a seat, like I told you people the other time. You will sit together with them. In Hebrews 12, 22 to 24, Hebrews 12, 22 to 24, let's remind ourselves of what we are talking about, the place we are talking about. And to come into the courts of heaven, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to pay any money. It's just a dimension in the spirit, in your mind. You come by faith. Amen? I say you come by faith. You just come by faith. You just say, Lord, I step into the courts now in the name of Jesus. Close your eyes and see yourself by faith in the courts. Then you begin to speak. You are entering there by the blood of Jesus. Are we together? Have you seen what it is? Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, an innumerable company of angels, yes. The general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men, made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So now, you are in the court of heaven. You cannot be there and your mind is fluctuating. You know, like I said the other day, some people when they are praying, their mind is wandering. They are scrolling their phone. They are doing WhatsApp, doing Facebook. You cannot do that. That is an insult. That is irreverence to God Almighty. You cannot be in the court of heaven and talking to somebody. You break small and greet somebody and shout on your child. Shut up. Keep quiet. Then you are in the court. You better finish what you want to do and then come to the court if you want to court. Don't give God an insult. Because those things grieve the Holy Spirit. It is indiscipline. Hello? It's indiscipline. 
So that is where you are. You step in there. And then the man of God was saying, Greg and Val, him and the wife are doing the teaching. He's he's a, a Canadian. He said that for 35 years of ministry, he was doing this kind of prayer. You know, there's this warfare that we do. We say, I bind, I lose, I cast, I destroy. The worst one is to send the team back to sender. All those things are errors. We need to repent from them and say, Lord, we don't know. It's ignorance, but the ignorance is not an excuse. In the courts of heaven, you summon Satan, you command him to be silent. You do the case legally. You deal with the issues legally. Amen? Because you are not the judge. There's only one judge, the judge of the whole earth. And his name is Elohim. His name is Yahweh. His name is Alpha and Omega. The only true God. His name is God. The Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Hello? Baris, I need you to be attentive so that you will help me explain some things somewhere. Because we are talking about legal things. You know, in the court, you know there's something we do in Nigeria. A policeman arrests a suspect and decides to judge him by himself and start beating the person. It is called trial by ordeal. At least from the little law I know. If I miss it, you will remind me. Amen. That thing is illegal because he's not a judge. He does not have power to convict a criminal. And that's what many of us do. We are the ones judging. That's why I started saying it the other day that God said, judge not that you might not be judged. You are not a judge. There is only one judge. You give him the judgment. Amen. So now when you are criticizing somebody, you are saying this person is a liar, this person is a sinner, this person is this, you have judged the person. And he said a lot of us, we are praying, we say we are praying for somebody to repent. But what we are doing is that we are telling God all the reasons why the person should not repent. <laughs> it's a lot of ignorance. He said, you even tell God the reason why the person is suffering what is suffering. Like they tell you that, yes, something has happened to somebody. You say, uh -huh, I knew it. Contract has matured. <laughs> you see, that is judgment. You have to withdraw all those judgments. Leave it in the hand of God. Let God judge the person. You are going there as a priest. And the work of a priest is an intercessor. Amen? You are standing in the gap. You are to remind God that he's a merciful God. He's a compassionate God. He's a good God. His thoughts towards us are not of evil, but of good. To give us an expected end. That's your work. That's your job. You are not going to the courts of heaven to report the person again. To say, Lord... This man is a sinner. I know it before that this thing will happen to him. That is pollution. 
That is wickedness. And Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, that anyone who is not with me is against me. I had to do a lot of repentances of some of the things. I was sharing with him this morning. I said, I need to do a teaching in this church. Some of many things we have been doing, we need to stop. Because when you continue that way, you will never see the glory of God. You will not see answers to prayers. You will not see the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because all those things are annoying God. That's not what we are called to do. We are called to give him a reason why he should forgive. Give him a reason why he should bless. Give him a reason why he should save. Amen. So, both the judgments, you have been judging the person. The ones you are judging yourself, you need to withdraw them. Are we together? Now, when you withdraw them, you now make a demand. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's a good practical example of how to demand justice. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We look at the prayer of Jehoshaphat. Amen. Verse 3. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. He said, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, now look at, look, listen to what he said. From verse 6. O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwell therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou will hear and help. And now, look at verse 10. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession which thou hast given us to inherit? O our God, will thou not judge them? I want you to underline that. O our God, will thou not judge them? 
For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Amen. Amen. So, Jehoshaphat prayed. He said, Oh, our God, will thou not judge them? You are the judge. Because God said in Romans chapter 12, Vengeance belongs to me. I will take recompenses, the Lord. You are not the one to take vengeance for yourself. God is the one to take vengeance. And there is this spirit in us that always want to do vengeance. The latest one is this back to sender thing. <laughs> so the Lord was teaching me, said, you see, when you withdraw the judgments, the flesh will tell you that that means the person will not get punishment. It's not true. Because God does his forgiveness with accountability. I want us to say it together. God forgives with accountability. The fact that God, that you will do the judgment, does not mean the person is not accountable. Amen. So you leave that to him to handle. And it is faith in the Lord that you trust him enough that he can judge your matters for you. If you don't trust God, you don't even believe him that he can handle your issues, then what is even, what are you even doing with him? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because anybody that be, believes in God, wants to walk with God, must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Joshua said, Oh, our God, will thou not judge them? He reported the matter. He rehearsed the matter. Then he asked God for justice. We go to the courts of heaven to demand for justice. The justice is that, okay, somebody is being afflicted. Somebody is being accused. Somebody is attacking you. Somebody is doing enchantment. You go to the courts of heaven. You withdraw the judgments. Amen? How do you withdraw the judgments? By prayer. You say, Jesus has already blotted out. It's found in Colossians chapter 2. He has already blotted out all the handwriting of ordinances, all the written code. Can you find it for me in Colossians chapter 2? I think it's verse 14. Jesus has already dealt with that. All the accusations against you. But we said that even though Jesus has died and paid the price, nothing is automatic. We have to now appropriate that word and put it into work. Apply it to the situation and it will work for you. So, you now say, Lord, I withdraw every judgment against my life. Somebody is accusing you and we know that the accuser is who? The adversary in 1 Peter 5, 8. He said your adversary, the devil, the word adversary, antidikos, I told us, is somebody who is bringing a lawsuit against you. 
He's the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12. And the Bible says he accuses them day and night. He wants to categorize you. He wants to indict you. He wants to bring an accusation against you. So what do you do? You withdraw the judgments. And the Lord was teaching me that in the courts of heaven, listen to this, very important, there is an angel that is a clerk that holds the files of all the litigations. Not because the angel is after you, it's against you, but you know that God is a just God. Amen? So now when God wants to bless you, and the antidikos is accusing you, it could be your own sin, it could be your own failures, your own errors, it could be your own iniquities, it could be from your bloodline, he is pulling it up. Amen? And he's presenting it before the Father. And you are not coming there to bring any defense. You can have a default judgment. But am I right? Like, imagine somebody sue you to court now. And you did not come to court. You were not there to defend your case. You don't have a lawyer. On the day of the case, you were just at home. The court can give a ruling against you just because you are not there. It's contempt of court. So everything is legal. The devil uses legal ground. And the, the Satan, the antidikos, will do the accusation because that is his only work. You know, when he accused Job, when he appeared, God asked him in the book of Job, where are you coming from? He said, from walking up and down in the earth and do and fro in it. He accused Job before God. He said, is it not because you are blessed him? Is it not because you gave him everything that he's serving you? Trying to reduce the integrity of Job. Even though God had boasted about Job and said he's a man that eschewed all evil, God had nothing to say because Job didn't even know what was going on. There was no intercessor. That's why in Ezekiel 22 verse 30, he said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap so that I will not destroy the land. But I found none. When there is no intercessor to stand in the gap, then the accusations will work. Do we understand this? I pray the Lord will give you understanding. So, when you remove the judgments, you withdraw the judgments, you withdraw even your own judgment. Because sometimes, it's not only the enemy that is judging us, we are also judging ourselves. Through our imaginations, our own utterances, you are even repeating what the devil said about you. Oh no, you don't understand. Satan has said something about you. You are the one saying it with your mouth. It's an agreement. It's a contract. They said, I am this. Why do you repeat it? Amen? So you need to repent and withdraw the judgments. And when you step into the court of heaven, 
you tell the angel, the clerk, is the clerk of the court. Like every physical court has a clerk who keeps records. I have come to withdraw all the judgments made by the devil, by people, by myself, against myself in Jesus' name. We give it to you. You collect it by faith. And what do you do with it? You trash it. In the name of Jesus. You destroy it. You give it to the ancient of days and ask him to put it in the fiery stream that is on the throne. And it will be burned. When you have done that, once you have withdrawn the judgments, there's nothing else standing. You demand justice. Hello? Remember when Jesus met the woman that was bound? The woman that could not stand up for how many years? He said, Is this not a daughter of Abraham? Is she not entitled to be well? That was a demand for justice for the widow. For the woman. It's found in the book of Luke. Can we find it? Where is it? I think it's Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Yes, somebody find me the reference, please. Verse what? Okay, verse 11. He said, and behold, Luke 13, 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. 18 years. Can you imagine? 18 years. The woman cannot stand up. And was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Then the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, he said unto the people, There are six days which men ought to work, and in them come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. That's the Antidicus. Look at the answer. Verse 15. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the store and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? Amen. And when he has said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. You know, they brought a litigation that this thing is not right because it was done on a Sabbath day. And they could have used that to steal the woman's healing. Amen? And take her back. But the Lord said, Is she not a daughter of Abraham, 
Is she not entitled to be free? She has been bound for 18 years. And he quoted, he asked them that when your ox needs water, your sheep, your goat needs water, do you not lead them out on a Sabbath day to give them water? And is the life of the sheep more important than the life of a woman? If you can break the law of Sabbath to take care of an animal, what about a human being? Amen. So you find out that when you demand justice, somebody is sick, you say, okay, Lord, I demand justice for this person because it is written. Jesus had already paid the price, was already wounded for her transgression, was already bruised for her iniquities, the chastisement of his peace, of the person's peace was already upon Jesus. The person was already healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen? Then you demand healing be released from the court of heaven. Hallelujah. So it could be any other situation. I'm just giving an example. Now when you do that, you do what? Remember, we stepped in court, into the court by the blood of Jesus. And I said we have the privilege of navigating the two worlds, the spiritual realm and the physical. You now step back into your body by faith and implement the verdict. You receive the ruling, receive the sentence, you step back and implement it. And ask that these angels, this innumerable company of angels, will execute the ruling. So you receive the healing, you proclaim it in the body physically. Amen? You can unlock the healing, you proclaim it. It will manifest. If it's deliverance, you unlock it. Whatever you have done the case, you come back, you unlock it, you execute it. You, you demand the execution by the hands of the angels. And while they are doing the execution, by faith, you worship the Father. You worship Elohim. You say, Father, I thank you. I know you are the only true God. You are I am that I am. You are the ancient of days. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. Then at this point, you can now exercise your authority as a believer. Amen? We were learning about the authority of the believer. And the Lord said, if you don't go, teacher, are you with me? If you don't go to the course of heaven, you come and you want to exercise authority, there will be no authority. And that is the reason why we decree many things that don't happen. And we are wondering, the Bible said, Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall come to pass. And when you are in that courtroom, by the grace of God, as you are doing that, most of the time, God will open your eyes. Because you are in the realm of the supernatural. You are in the realm of the 
spirit, in the realm of God, he will open your eyes and be showing you many things. Like, I think it was this morning I was praying for somebody on the phone. The Lord just opened my eyes in the spirit. I saw a crowd of people rushing after that woman. Rushing after her. And I, I just said, Lord, who are these? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, they are the children of the Antidikos that were laying siege against her. And I said, Lord, I demand justice. I, I demand that she be released from the trauma because that woman has undergone a lot of trauma. I demand that she be healed. I receive her healing. I implement it in the physical. And Lord, these demons, I judge them. I ask you to judge them in the name of Jesus. So by the time I step back to the body, physically, I now said, Lord, I rebuke these demons. I cast them out. And I just saw the wind of God taking them away. And it doesn't take time. It doesn't take time. Within 20 minutes, you are done. And mighty things, mighty exploits have been done. The Bible said that those that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. And the Holy Spirit was telling me, say, this is the gateway, the secret of seeing the miraculous. Getting the sick healed, getting blind eyes open, getting the lame walk, it is from this. When you continue, you just come without going through the courts, doing it legally, you go straight to the battlefield and you start. You bring down thunder and lightning, you do this, you bind, you lose. It creates a lot of backlash. That's why sometimes in those days, you see, after a prayer meeting, somebody will go back and be sick. Not supposed to be like that. Because God has already said that we shall tread upon serpents, is it not so? And upon scorpions and over every power of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies hurt us. The devil don't have such right and such power. So if it is a human being, Doing witchcraft, doing what? The Bible said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. You pray scripturally. Any prayer you are praying that is not scriptural, like when we say, some people say, I release the atomic bomb of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing like that. It's an error. Can you stop? Can we stop it, please? I am appealing to us. There's nothing like that. Because you will not see anywhere in the Bible that they say atomic bomb of the Holy Spirit. The worst one is that one that they say, fall down and die. Spirits do not die. Satan cannot die. He's going to be there forever and ever. Only that he will be in hell. Amen? So who do you want to fall down and die? Is it... The demons? Is it the powers? Is it the principalities? I don't understand it. That one, I have always known that something was wrong with it. But this one, the Lord is saying, follow the protocols of the court of heaven. Because if you read the book of Ezekiel, he said, when people come to a prophet, 
to inquire of the prophet. And they keep their iniquities in their hearts. They do not repent. He said, I, the Lord, I will answer the person according to the multitude of their iniquities. There is nothing that grieves the Holy Spirit like you bringing somebody, not presenting the gospel first to them, telling them about Jesus Christ, just jump into prayer and start casting demons because you think that you know how to cast out demons. It's very wrong. So I want to stop here and then we'll take questions before we pray so that we can do the practical. Amen. Um, it's wonderful. <laughs> the Bible said, He that diggeth a pit, he shall fall into it. He that rolleth a stone, the stone shall be rolled against him. He that killeth by the sword, shall die by the sword. And I say, Father, this person is digging a pit against me. Let him fall into the pit he has dug. So, it's like back to sender. I'm returning it back to sender. The sword you have sent. The scripture say, the sword which he welded, let it return back to his bosom. That's the word of God. Amen. So, and I say, by these scriptures, I return back his wickedness upon his head. That's back to sender. That's one. Can I say something? Okay. The scriptures are not being changed. The only thing is that you should do it through the courts. Report the case to God. And the people you are reporting are not the human beings, remember? The principalities. But it's the human being that is doing it. The principalities, <laughs> the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, you are reporting to the judge. And if you want to suggest to the judge how you want them to be punished, I believe that he knows what to do. Must you tell him that they have dug a pit, they should fall? He did he not see it, he knows. So if we trust him enough, he knows what to do. That's why I said the forgiveness is with accountability. It does not mean that when we don't play that role, God absolves them from what they are, their wickedness. No. We need to be able to trust him enough to allow him to do the judgment. Because when we come to a physical court, do we normally tell the judge what to do with the culprit? You table your case before the court. You allow the judge to rule. I don't know. You can continue. Sorry. No, I just I, wanted I, I'm to just explain. To uh -huh. The explanations. Yes. So continue. We are still talking. Yes. Okay. 
I will listen. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. My question is to really know where to draw the line between this court of heaven prayers and the ordinary prayer. For instance, if I come to the church, I want to start the service and I start praying. Do I need to go to the court of heaven first? No. Okay. That does not mean you cannot pray other prayers. Uh -huh. You can still pray the way you want. I'm just saying, okay. in the case of spiritual warfare, okay. to get justice. Is that not what you are looking for? You are getting justice. When you are leading opening prayer, you are not looking for any justice now. Okay. There's no judgment involved. We are just asking the Lord to have his way, isn't it? Ordinary Com prayer. Uh -huh. There are prayers, I said there are personal prayers. There are prayers that for our personal needs, first dimension, we go to the Father directly. Okay. We receive our needs. There's even second dimension prayer of intercession. We are talking about the third dimension. The one we do thunder and lightning, a Holy Ghost fire, all those things that we battle and we battle until we are exhausted and we are not seeing results. All this while you have been returning the thing to sender. Have you seen the sender dying? Let me ask you. Why is, are the people still walking around? Haven't you asked yourself that question? <laughs> so, Hallelujah. my number two question. Yes. Like in the case of, there is a manifestation of evil spirit on somebody or in a place. You are seeing it, Kuro Kuro. Uh, and the Bible says that you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You shall cast out devil. Do I need to go to court of heaven first? You see, oh. need to. Go to the court, get the power, the authorization, and then come back in the physical and give the rebuke, give the casting, okay. do the binding. Because you are not the judge. Lord. Hallelujah. Ma, uh, my question is still going in line with what my husband asked. The book of Psalm 35 said, Plead my cause, O God, and he kept saying the things that God should use, take out of the javelin, and this. And the Bible told, and we know in the Bible, the Bible said that um, when we come before God, we should bring forth our strong reasons. I think if we come to the court of heaven and then we are demanding for judgment, I don't know if it's bad if we bring out these scriptures, Lord, these are your word. We'll bring them forth. It's not bad at all. That is where you should say those things. Mm -hmm. You are making a demand okay. and you are bringing your reasons. Okay. Like, like I just read from this Luke 13 where Jesus said, is, he not, is she not entitled to be free? She's a daughter of Abraham. That means it is her right. It's her covenant right to be made free. So you bring those reasons. Lord, this person is your daughter is born again, is, is your servant, serving at your altar. Look at how the devil have robbed him. Look at what they have done, traumatizing him. I demand justice. Give her justice. 
or give him justice. It's in order. Only that you do it through the courts. Okay. Praise yes. the Lord. Uh -huh. And my second question is, how do we pray Psalm 18? The Bible said, um, the voice of the Lord thundered in the heaven, the highest gave his voice, hail stones and coals of fire. Yes. So now if we are to pray using, because you say we should not pray Holy Ghost. No, uh, I didn't say you should not pray it. I okay. said, do it through the courts. Okay. You are in the courts of heaven already. Mm. Bring all those scriptures. Lord, I need your thunder. I am demanding for thunder. Mm. I am demanding for this. You will see it happening there and then immediately. It is more effective. God is just teaching us an effective way to follow the right protocol. But if you are so carnal-minded, you want to do it yourself. And you will continue to struggle. And you are not getting anywhere. We want, when we report something, a matter, we want to see a change. Is that not so? I have testimonies though, but let me not go there first. Let's finish with the questions. Because I've seen it in my own life. I've tried it out. And I've seen the difference. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, okay, I have two things to say. One is a, a question and the other is a little bit like a contribution. Okay, but I'll start with the question first. Isaiah 54 verse 17. Mm -hmm. okay, we quote that always. It says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou, me, shall condemn. Mm. Okay. I think this scripture gives me the power to do the condemnation. <laughs> and it continues to say, this is the heritage, is an inheritance of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now, then, that brings me there to what you mentioned. You said after we pray the prayers, then we step into the physical to implement. And you also said that the angels execute. Implementation and execution. I looked up the meaning because they sound similar somehow if you are not careful. Implement means to, uh, to allow to function after according to original purpose. To execute means to execute, to carry out. <laughs> I don't have the better word to use for that. And the Bible says that the, say the angels are ministering spirits that are meant to minister unto the heirs of salvation and that they listen to hear his word and perform it. Uh -huh. Yeah, so no, not my word. Okay, so that conforms with the execution. But the implementation now and the condemnation. Give me the amplified. 
of this scripture. He says, he said, but no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every thorn that shall rise up against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. That is the condemnation. Mm -hmm. Showing to be in the wrong. <laughs> I think this has even answered the question. <laughs> yes, it answers it. It is not condemnation as you bringing a... It is to show that the person or the allegation or the weapon that you fashion against you is in the wrong. And that's by pleading your case before the court. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, I dropped that one. I think I've understood it. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, man. I have seen a scripture, you know, when you were talking about uh, judge not. There is a wonderful scripture in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 15. King James, please. This is usually, no, no, First Corinthians, to ahead. But he that is spiritual, judge it. Two fifteen. Judge it all things. Now this is not a question, no. Okay, but most times, you know, in those days when they said judge not, I was one of those who would bring up this scripture as a defense. No, not two. First Corinthians, what five? No, chapter 2, verse 15. As you started talking, I remember this scripture. I opened it. He that is spiritual judges all things. And I discovered something which I want us to look at. Go to the Amplified and the New Living Translation of this same scripture. He said, but the spiritual man tries all things. He examines. He examines, he investigates, he inquires into, he questions and descends. Mm -hmm. It is not really our definition of judging. The, the ultimate final judgment. I think the, 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 the NLT is even a lot more sin. He said those who are spiritual can evaluate all things. Mm. I just saw it this evening. I was like, because I quoted that scripture. I wanted to ask a question. I have the right to judge. <laughs> you are not the judge. Oh. <laughs> it's a righteous judge. The judge of the whole earth. Are we together? I think we are even getting more insight and more understanding. Praise God. The Holy Spirit is helping us. You know, we have been so used to doing this thing. The first time I heard this teaching, you know my reaction? I said, the man is not serious. <laughs> I said, because he's not living in Africa. He doesn't know about the attack of witches and wizards. <laughs> That's why he's telling us that. But as I listened to him, the Holy Spirit began to teach and said, listen to that man. And I began to listen. And when I started listening... I was blessed. I want to share a little testimony. There were some things, okay, before. Uh -huh. uh, wait first. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, 
Sorry, ma. Um, this issue of withdrawing judgments. We have laid a lot of judgments in the spiritual realm. And um, to us, to me, these judgments are correct. <laughs> because these people have crossed the red line. The devil, they have accepted. There are some people who, who have accepted the commission. Like the king in my place. You know, I told you that when he called me one day and I asked him, how did you get my number? I said he was sitting in his palace. And a bird brought my number to him. <laughs> yes, he now. just want to intimidate you. <laughs> so, by the time I got home now, they... Ah, ah, mommy. Okay, continue. So, when I got home now, and I asked after him, they said, the man had died three months ago. I said, that man, does he die? Everybody laughed. <laughs> So, now, to such wicked men, principalities in human flesh, how do we withdraw judgment? <laughs> eh? How do we withdraw our judgment? I expected this reaction. The That's Bible said that, it said, woe unto him that had the sword and used it not. <laughs> I expected this reaction. <laughs> I understand how you feel. Please give Barista, let him make his contribution so that we can pray. <laughs> Praise the Lord. In most cases, going to court is the last resort. Going to court is the last resort. You do what? Going to court. It's normally the last resort. Okay. Uh, and that is what you say when you said in spiritual warfare. Because uh, there are so many ways a matter can be settled without going to court. Mm. And that is why you are seeing their reaction like this. <laughs> um, Take the laws into your hands. Yes. <laughs> Uh, why the why is the law says you shouldn't take the law into your hand is that physically there is a presumption, a constitutional presumption of innocent. That even if you catch the man, sorry, if you catch the man physically stealing your thing, the law presumes he's innocent. That's what the law says. Yes, the law presumes he's innocent. So until the court says he's guilty, it's not even for you to say it. Not the police, not the prison. Not. It is when the court pronounces this man is guilty. And what do you do as a lawyer? As a lawyer, you are a minister in the temple of justice. All you try to do is to present your matter to the best of your knowledge before the judge. For the judge to take a favorable look at your case. You are not there to even judge the other man. Say he did this to my client. No. You present, you are representing somebody. And don't forget, you yourself, you are a minister in that temple of justice. It's not for you to go and tell a lie. Present the matter as much as you know it to the judge. And let the judge take a decision on the matter. 
Now, if it is physically where the judge delivers his judgment in your favor, it is expected that it is not the court that will carry out the judgment. You needed to apply to the court for the execution of the judgment. And if, for instance, it has to do with money, for instance, uh, FC is owing you one million or 10 billion naira, and the court now say you are entitled to 10 billion naira from FC. You go and see that FC will not give you. And who do you owe? You can't go after the provost that uh, they have given me judgment. The court says you should give me. No. So who do you go? You still approach the court through a garnishing procedure. They call it garnishing. You take an action for the recovery of that debt from FC. The court will now sit again and rule that FC should give you that money. Mm -hmm. And then the court will now say, okay, because it's a, it's a legal entity. It's not an individual, it's a legal entity. If it's civil government, even if it is federal government, or the Nigeria police, or the Nigeria army, you still go to the court to proceed against the true garnishing. And then there too, they will present their matter as to why the account should not be garnished. So by the time the court narrowed that the account should be garnished, what the court will do is to give an order that the account of the Nigeria Armed Forces should be closed. Money can go in, but money cannot go out until they pay the 100 billion to you. And that 100 billion should be deposited in the court, not to you. Because to, for them to go and give you the kill, so the court will give another that the money should be paid to the court, for the court to give you. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why I needed him his contribution because have we have we gotten it? The angels are the court's recorders and the court believes. They obey the, the sentence of the Elohim, not your own. They are not answerable to you. They do the work, the voice of the master. They are the bailiffs. They are the ones that execute judgment. Judgment belongs to him. He is the one giving the judgment. Yes. So I think with what he says now, he said now, our questions have been answered. Am I right? Sorry, ma. I have a question. And it's more like directed to us so that he can show us. Now, as the lawyer, how do you actually present your case? What do you do? You cite instances from the law of when certain things happened. And you show forth why that judgment should be given. See? Please, can you cite an example, please? Praise the Lord. Um, Basically, we have a judicial precedent. Okay, let me start with the hierarchy of courts because I will draw the analogy with the word of God. The courts are in hierarchy. We start with the Supreme Court, Court of Appeal, High Court, down to Area Court or Customary Court. In the north, we have Area Court. There, we have Customary Court. 
Now, the decisions of a higher court is binding on the lower court. The Supreme Court is the highest. So any decision on, of the Supreme Court is binding on lower court. Mm -hmm. Then the decision of uh, a court of appeal yeah. is binding. It's not binding on Supreme Court, but it's binding on other courts down like that. Then the high court is binding on the magistrate. Now, as a lawyer, when your matter comes before a court, I told you you are not expected to lie because you are a minister in the temple of justice. <laughs> so how do you present your matter? You, your client, he's the one involved, you are not there, isn't it? So he come and uh, he take his brief. He tells you what happened. He narrates the story. As he's narrating the story, he's reminding you of one or two things that the law has said. Eh? He's reminding just like you come before and you're now reading the Bible and now you're now remembering that shall not do this and that this. That shall not do this. Then you now take his brief. And in the brief is a story. And then he now tells the story. And don't forget, it's the story of what he has seen. And what he has said, what he has touched. Hmm? It's not hearsay. Uh, they told me, no, that is hearsay. Because hearsay is not acceptable in law except registry. Registry is a dying declaration. It's acceptable in law because the law presumes that at the point of death, a man is not likely to lie because he knows that he's going to face God. So he won't lie. If he say, this boy, I have not his father. That is the truth. It's, the court don't question that, that because it's a dying declaration. And the law will call it register. <laughs> now, after you have taken the brief, and you now cross-examine him, you, know, you don't know the facts, you only know the law. Because you know the law, you now apply the law to the facts. And then you now feel that from the totality of what this man has said, he has a, a prima facie case, or he has a legal standing to approach the court. And then uh, you now, if you now, on the basis of authority, you now file an action against his opponent. Because you believe, don't forget that the other person too believes he has a genuine case. On the basis of something like this, so he will too is ready to defend that. That is why the two of you, both you and the defender, don't forget that. The matter is not between the two of you as lawyers. The two of you are ministers of justice. It's the matter between your client and his client. <laughs> so you are not expected to descend into the arena of conflict. Uh -huh. Because if you descend into the arena of you cannot escape the dust of the encounter. And that is what the law says. Hallelujah. I don't know whether it's clear I should still continue. So you cannot escape what? The dust of the encounter. <laughs> That's the backlash. <laughs> That's why when, at the end of the day, the two of us go, so well, let's go and eat. We'll laugh and go and eat. If I'm a senior, I will buy food for you. And, you this, and the clients cannot and understand. But you see these two lawyers, so... Yeah, so uh, it's, it's because you want them to quarrel. Uh, we don't quarrel. So that is it. Now, like what mommy said, you know the Bible and the reference.
And those are the things. That's why I said, President, you know the Bible. And those are the things you are presenting before the judge. Mm. Eh? The word of God is what you are presenting. And uh, like we say, judicial president, we say, my Lord, in Genesis versus Revelation, this was the, this same thing happened. And my Lord, yes, in case between, that's why I say Genesis and Revelation. This was what the court decided. So you are appealing that the court should also look at that matter. You understand? And mm -hmm. arrive at the same decision. However, don't forget that no two cases have the same set of facts. And, and that is why we talk of distinguishing. We are, so the opponent will not try to distinguish that. In that case you cited, this was what happened in that case. And it is not the same thing with this one. And that's why we are commanding the adversary to be silent. <laughs> He's not allowed to talk. So now, remember that the person that is the judge is our father. His advocates, the two attorneys, are all on our side. The Lord Jesus Christ is the, is the apostle and the high priest of our profession. The Holy Spirit is the advocate. And there's no advocacy on the side of the accuser. And our Father is the judge. He loves us. He's totally on our side. And that's why we should leave the judgment in his hands and trust him. He can handle it. Amen? Let us pray. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he has made himself the court's provost. <laughs> Say order. So, when someone is bringing a litigation against you and accusing you of something and raising a litigation against you in the spirit, it can actually bring an affliction. It can make you to be sick because the demons have listened to the litigation and they are trying to judge you. What is the procedure? First of all, you step into the courts of heaven, remove every judgment, every litigation against your life, remove your own litigations against yourself by the scriptures. If that accusation was true, what do you do? You repent. The Bible says, settle quickly with your adversary on the way. So accept it as, yes, I have missed it here. Then bring repentance. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 that these things have I written unto you that you sin not. But even if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ the righteous. He is for the propitiation of our sins, and not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. So confess it as sin, deal with it, and then 
continue, remove the judgments. Amen? Because even if you sin, you didn't sin against the devil. Amen? He is not your judge. He does not have any right to judge you. You know, sometimes we accept certain things and we say, eh, it is my fault. It is because I did this and that. That is why all these things are happening to me. You use your mouth to even condemn yourself. So tonight, we want to remove all those things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let us pray. I want you to begin to soak your spirit, soul, and your body in the blood of Jesus because we are entering into the holiest, the holiest place by the blood of Jesus. So the Bible said that we enter the holiest through the shed blood of Jesus. So just begin to say, Lord, I come into the holiest place through the shed blood of Jesus and begin to ask that the blood of Jesus will wash you, repent of every known sin and every mistake, anything that the enemy may stand upon, anything that could become a legal ground for the enemy for accusation. My Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that you wash and cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. Forgive me of every sin and every unrighteousness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus will wash you, as that the blood of Jesus will take away every litigation, A broken and a contrite heart, the Lord will never overlook. He will never despise. So you accept your sins, confess them, forsake them. From the day you were conceived in your mother's womb, anything that went wrong, say, Lord, have mercy on me. Anyone that comes to your mind, call it by name, repent of it. Anything that the enemy has been using as litigation against you, confess them before the Lord. Say, Lord, I am really sorry. Have mercy on me. Repent of the issues from your bloodline that the enemy is using to hold you in captivity from your father's side. There are some things that are happening to you or you ha has happened to you. You suffered some things as a result of some errors. And you know that you really missed it. Father Lord, we ask for your mercy. So now we are stepping into the holiest place through the blood of Jesus. Say, Lord, I step in, just I step in to the courts of heaven by the blood of Jesus. 
And so you put your mind on the throne of God in heaven. You don't allow your mind to wander. And the protocols is that you acknowledge the presence of the apostle and the high priest of our profession, the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Lamb of God that was slain. You thank him because he's already here. You acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit, our advocates, him and the Lord Jesus are our defense attorneys in the courts. You acknowledge the presence of the angelic hosts, the thousands of tens of thousands and thousands of angels, the innumerable company of angels that are here. You acknowledge the presence of the spirits of just men made perfect, the spirits of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the spirits of Moses and Elijah, the spirits of Noah, they are there. They are here, all here. You acknowledge the presence of the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The God of the whole earth, the righteous judge, the creator of heaven and earth is here, is here. We are in his presence right now. You acknowledge their presence. And then you summon Satan, the devil, to appear with all his cohorts and then command him to be silent in the name of Jesus. Say, you Antidicus, you ancient serpent, you adversary, I summon you to appear in this court session. I command you to be silent in the name of Jesus. Then having done that, you now proceed with the matter. You step to the court, the clerk of the court, who is an angel, and you demand, you request for the files, every files of litigation, of accusations that have been surrendered by the enemy, by the adversary against you. Because if there is no accusation, the weapons will not prosper. It is because there is something they are holding against you. The Bible says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So when the weapons begin to prosper, it means there is something wrong somewhere. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I retrieve all the files of the judgments, the agreements, the accusations, the ones I did by myself, the ones that were done by any human being, living or dead, whether they were done by man or by spirit, against me, I retrieve all of them. Now retrieve them. Say, I retrieve them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I destroy them. You have to withdraw them, destroy them. The pronouncements you made by yourselves, the one you imagined in your heart, Father, we retrieve all of them in the name of Jesus. And I give it to you, ancient of days, to put it in that fiery stream and let them be burned, let them be consumed. Now, having done that, you now request for judgment. You now request for justice. You say, you now report your matter. Father, all the siege that the enemy has been laying against me in my finances. Lord, you saw everything that happened. You saw how I paid my tithes. 
You saw how I gave my offerings. You saw how I have been sowing into your work. And look at how the enemy has blocked me, has robbed me. He has wanted to impoverish me so that I will not do the things that you call me to do. My father, that which you have written in my books, this is not what you wrote concerning me in the volume of the book. I am asking for justice. I am asking for justice. Bring your strong reasons why you want justice. You want that status quo to change. Lord, it is not right for me to be afflicted because you have already died. You have already paid the price. You were already wounded for my transgressions. You were already bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was already upon you. Lord, I cannot be traumatized. There's no need, no reason why I should be having pain in my body. You bring that matter before, lay that matter before the Lord now. Present it to him as the judge of the whole earth. The ancient of days is sitting and he's listening to you. And I'm saying, Lord, ancient of days, I have come to you as my judge, the judge of the whole earth. I'm asking for justice. I'm asking to, to stop the, the affliction. Lord, you said that affliction will not come a second time to me. You said that the enemy, the son of the wicked, shall not exact upon me. Lord, you have seen the exactings. You have seen all the pains. You have seen all the torments. I'm asking you for judgment now. Say, ancient of days, will you not judge them? Will you not judge them, Lord? Take away these pains from my body. I receive my healing now. I release my healing from your throne because it's available. You have already paid the price. Healing is the children's bread. So it is available to me. Your, your provisions, you said you have already blessed me with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Father, you said you have already given me all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Therefore, you have made the provisions. They are available. I am not supposed to lack any good thing. Because you are my shepherd, I will not lack, O oh God, the silver and the gold of this world, they belong to you. Even the cattle on a thousand hills, they belong to you. Therefore, Lord, I come to receive my own portion. You demand justice. You demand, say, Lord, will you not judge those that afflict me? Those that put pains on my body, will you not judge them? I demand for judgment for them. I demand for justice, Lord. Lord, you said in your word that those that war against me, they shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. Those that are incensed against me shall utterly perish. They shall be destroyed. You said that anyone that diggeth a pit shall always fall into it by himself. This is your word. I am demanding for this judgment. I am demanding, Lord, that those that are seeking after my blood, you will give them their own blood to drink. As sweet wine, oh God, those that are seeking after my flesh, you will give them their own flesh to eat. Lord, I demand it. I demand from you as my judge and my lawgiver. I am look, I'm asking you for it. Lord, and I ask for sentence. 
I ask for a sentence. I receive the sentence right now. Now I step back into my body. As I have received this sentence, this justice of my salvation, justice of my healing, justice of my deliverance, justice of the restoration of my finances, I step back into the physical and I thank you because I know your angels, the angels of your presence will execute this judgment. As your angels are executing the justice right now and I rec I'm receiving the effect in my body, my father, I thank you. Let it be done. Let it be done. Let it be according to your word. Let your judgment come down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Lord, now I exercise my authority and I destroy the works of Satan. I bind and I cast them to hell and I command them to be removed from my body now in the name of Jesus. I command them to pack and get out and come out. You said what I bind on earth is bound in heaven. What I lose on earth is lose in heaven. I bind the works of the enemy. I lose the power of God, the presence of God. Thank you, ancient of days. Now, as the angels are going around, executing this judgment that you have given me, I begin to worship you. I begin to magnify you. I begin to acknowledge you as the only true God, the immortal and the invisible God, the only wise God, the only potented God, I say you are God. You are Elohim. Your name is Elohim. You are Adonai. You are the only Yahweh. I worship you. I acknowledge you as the only true God. And I reverence you. Thank you, my Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' holy name we have prayed. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Were you blessed? Amen. So we can see continue next time. As I said, I'm still learning. And as we learn more, we all learn together in Jesus' name.